Hi there, and welcome to episode 17 of The Epic Pencil, a bi-weekly venue for original writing, writers, and more. This week, we're diving into the world of book selling rather than book writing, just for a change in perspective. When I was seven, we moved to a new town and rented one half of a duplex. One of the owners of the house and a resident on the other half of the building owned Wayland Toy and Books. I became a regular there, both for the toys, but also for the first time, the books. The first book I remember buying with my own money was purchased at that store. I was so proud to have bought The Black Island, one of the Tintin series. My mother dismissed it as nothing more than a comic book, but I saw it as both something exotic because it came all the way from France and because it was a story that swept me away. Since then, seeking out local independent bookstores has been a passion of mine. Living near Brown University as a kid, there was College Hill Books, which was always much more interesting than the more sterile Brown University books. My college's bookstore was called The Hungry Mind, which might be one of the best bookstore names I've come across, in addition to being a fantastic bookstore. Plus, there was easy access to Uncle Edgar's and Uncle Hugo's, two great stores that focused on mysteries and sci-fi fantasy, respectively. As a college student, it was a Christmas-time visit to a bookstore that revealed I was majoring in entirely the wrong thing. For the holidays, my first year of college, my grandparents gave me a large gift certificate to the sadly now long-vanished Wordsworth's Books in Harvard Square. I spent two hours swapping titles back and forth to make sure I had the best possible selection. At the end, I had a stack of books that was half fun and half American history. So why was I majoring in biology then, I thought, when I'm not buying a single biology book, but I had to leave so many fascinating history books on the shelves. As it turned out, I still double majored in history and bio, but it was that visit to a bookstore that changed the direction that I was going. For the last 20-plus years, I've enjoyed visiting Island Books in Middletown, Rhode Island. I've gotten to know the owner, Judy Crosby, and her friendly and incredibly well-read staff over those years. When the pandemic hit, we all know of retail and other small businesses that were hurt and in many cases had to close. But Island Books, like so many other independent booksellers, continue to connect their customers and community to books, and they're still going strong. I was so pleased to be joined by Judy recently to talk about her journey with Island Books, what she cares about in the books she reads, how the store has survived in a topsy-turvy world, and the future of Island Books. Judy Crosby, thanks very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for asking me, Chris. I know we've sort of talked about this before, but you opened Island Books in what year? Uh, 1993. Okay, so I think... As we've talked about before, I think I've known you for, I think I first came into the store about 20, yeah, about two years after that. Mm-hmm. So I've known you a long time at, at the mm-hmm. store. And I, in all of our conversations, I don't know that I ever asked you what led you to open uh, an independent bookstore. Ah. Well, I had always, um, I'd always sort of known that I wanted to have a business of my own, number one. It wasn't necessarily a bookstore, but I wanted to work for myself. And I had, it, um, investigated a couple of other um, scenarios <clears throat> and decided, <clears throat> excuse me, that they would be too boring to do every day, every day. <laughs> and then my mother actually happened to be visiting with a, um, 
a, a magazine that you may remember called Working Woman Magazine back in the day. And it had the best franchises for women. And one of them was Little Professor Bookstore, which you may remember was what Barrington Books once was, yep. was a Little Professor Bookstore. And so I started looking into that. And then I decided I don't need a franchise. I don't want all their rules. And, you know, one thing led to another. It took, it took about three years of thinking and planning and deciding to jump in and um, before we actually um, did it. But that was kind of kind of what it was. I mean, I was always a lover of books. I've not, you know, I, I can't say that I've always been like a hugely avid reader. It's like, not like I'm well-schooled in the classics or anything like that, but, um, you know, I've always had been surrounded by books and I just thought that our community out in Middletown and Portsmouth, I live in Portsmouth, the stores in Middletown, there were stores in Newport, but that we needed something out our way as well. And of course that was before Barnes and Noble, before Amazon, you know, we still had our little Walden books downtown and stuff like that. So, oh God, yeah, I remember that down down by the the, um, the down by the Rotary. I completely forgot about that. Right down when it used to be the Newport Mall. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right. and uh, there was one on there was one on Bellevue Avenue too. Yeah. So you said that you weren't necessarily an avid reader, but I always imagine that a, you know a bookseller is someone who has a love of books. I mean, you said, you know, you want something that you were actually going to enjoy doing every day is, is being around books and being around readers and, and, and sort of all of the, the culture and community that goes with it. Is that part of what gets you to work every day? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess when I say an avid, I mean, I've, I've always been a reader, but you know, some people just, you know, are voracious readers and I wasn't always a voracious reader. Um, having new books coming in all the time, talking about books, learning about books, you know, as you know, our customers are really the nicest people in the world. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's always, there's always something different. It's not running a copy shop or, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just, it, it's very, you know, intellectually stimulating and, and it's very social too. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was one of the things I remember when you, um, you you expanded the store because uh, mm -hmm. originally it was you know it was, it was a it was a cute little sort of dark sort of hole in the wall type store and you and mm -hmm. you expanded it to give you some more space but I remember when you opened it up like that you were able to start doing more stuff I remember coming to uh, either you know readings or when you had mm -hmm. book, um, you know uh, the the reps the the folks who had done the uh, the books on the right. Nightstand podcast right yeah come in um, has that been a, a big part of uh, sort of your ability to to grow and sustain? I, to some degree, you know, we still don't have a very robust um, um, event schedule, but we do, we've gone from periods of trying, you know, we're, we're a, a daytime bookstore. We don't really have evening hours. Doing an event adds another whole level of, of things. So, um, you know, we haven't done a lot, but we have done some. And that was that expansion, you know, we, um, we did the expansion, at when we knew Barnes and Noble was coming to town and my landlords, the Noons family was nice enough to, to add that. And so it made, made us go from a thousand square feet to about 1600 square feet, which still isn't big by any stretch, but it was a, you know, a considerable, considerable increase. So it allowed us to have more, have a, have a wider selection mm -hmm. as well and to um, manipulate on the shelves and stuff so that we could clear things more readily for, for events. So that was, that was really helpful. Um, I'm just trying to think of 
events. We've had some offsite events and stuff like that as well. But we haven't, well, nobody's had events in the past <laughs> seven months, but um, but events is not really our primary focus. I think that it just hasn't been something that, um, uh, it's just a lot of work and not and hasn't always been my favorite part part of the business. I'm, um, you know, a, um, I'm not, I'm not an introvert and you put me behind my, um, counter at the, at the bookstore and I can talk to anybody, but you know, I'm not a, you know, crowd person. I like to come home at night. I'm a homebody. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, what do you, uh, there was a, a New York times article, um, not too long ago that talked about, um, how independent bookstores have, actually thrived um you know many of them obviously you know some of them uh, unfortunately you know uh have have fallen by the wayside but a lot of them um have thrived despite the rise of the ebook and and the you know sort of the monster box mm -hmm. stores mm -hmm. um what do you attribute that to what is it about independent bookstores and and about island books itself mm -hmm. that um, has made it such a um, just a great part of the community that has loyal readers, you know, yeah. loyal customers. Well, I mean, I, th I think it is. It's our booksellers. It's our customer service. It's our, it's our knowledge of books. It's the selection that we do have that's not, you know, that's picked by us, not picked by some, you know, someone sitting at a desk in New York City or something that's going to decide you know, who gets, which store gets how many of this title and how many of that title. So it's about being able to browse the shelves and finding something that you'd never even heard of. Plus now we have, we're able to have more things so that when people read a review, you know, they call to say they want to order it and they're pleasantly surprised that we actually have it in the store. Um, and it's our knowledge of books and our love of books and just the atmosphere that people like to come and shop where, where we are as opposed to a big box and e-readers, e they did, you know, have their impact for a while, but they've really leveled off, you know, and that's not to say that people don't read e-books. Some people read both. Some people read exclusively e-books. You know, we sell e-books too. It's, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to it, but you can buy an e-book from us. But book lovers really tend to love actually holding books and reading mm -hmm. books and turning the pages as much as anything. And then of course, for gifts and things like that as well, you know, you don't want to give a child a, an ebook <laughs> for their birthday. <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned um, the members of, of your staff, the mm -hmm. team. Um, and it always strikes me, you know, having been someone who's come in over, over the years and mm -hmm. um, it, it sort of struck me as it's kind of like um, a, cheers in a way you know with yeah. the, the theme song you know with every where everybody knows your name it's yeah. like one of the few yeah. stores that i've ever been able to walk into and you know i'm greeted by name and mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. it just feels so welcoming and, I, and I'm, we've even gotten good at doing it with masks on too. that's right exactly <laughs> so actually that brings up a obviously covid just upended everything over the mm -hmm. last seven months and still seems to be continuing on. Um, a lot of retail businesses suffered. You've, you've managed to stay open and you continue to connect with, um, you know, your customers and you're, you're connecting readers with books. How did you adapt in the face of this, that challenge? Well, we, um, we actually, we closed the store to browsing before the governor 
required us to because we just weren't comfortable having people browsing. We were so uncertain. Everybody was so uncertain as to what was going on. But um, we continued to sell books by phone on our website, whatever we did. We had to have a bench outside the bookstore door. We would put books out there for people. Um, obviously books and things like puzzles and games have become even more popular with people because they, you know, can't go to the movies. They're not out to dinner. They're not at dinner parties. Children aren't having, you know, birthday parties, uh, playing at the playgrounds or play dates. Um, so there's been a, a larger demand for that. And the outpouring tip from the community was really, really heartening because, you know, they just really wanted to be able to support us. They wanted us to be there and other businesses in the community after, after this was all over, you know, they, and when it's all over. So we were lucky enough to get orders from all over the country because we have people who, you know, summer here or people who visit here on a, you know, annual basis or have even come once or twice. And, you know, they follow us on our various social medias or get our uh, newsletter. And so people had just wanted to support us, you know, um, and other independent bookstores all over. So that's been great. And the, the support has continued. Our, our, we opened, we were closed, closed to the public for three months and it was a wild and crazy three months, but, um, but we did, you know, do whatever we could to get books into people's hands and, and now we have abbreviated hours, but business is still, it's very brisk during those five hours a day that we're open. We're just not ready to um, open fully back until the governor, tran- you know, until we go into the next transition, into the next phase. Because working all day with a mask on, as many people know, is not, not easy. And, um, and there's still so much to do. You know, like I was said, I was working home today, but because there's so much to do that I can't do customer facing so much and and we need to have more people out there to make sure everybody everybody who comes in uses the hand sanitizer was wearing mm-hmm. a mask you know all of that and everybody's been fabulously compliant but you still just need to have have that extra coverage you have a great selection of books at island books covering so many different things and i know that you um you've welcomed authors in the past do you have uh, any favorite books or, or authors that you've discovered over the years? Well, I, I have, I, well, we have, I have um, favorite books. You may recall for our 25th anniversary, we all chose um, our favorite book for each year that we worked at the bookstore. So, you know, um, so that was a fun and interesting um, process. And that, that list is still available on our website. But as far as um, favorite authors, people that I'll read pretty much anything that they write. I haven't read, I, I can't say that I've read everything that these people have written, but I would, if I could, um, would be like Ian McEwen and Richard Russo, Ann Tyler. I love Sue Miller. Amor Tolls has only written two books, but I love both of those. And those both showed up on my, uh, he and Elizabeth Stroud, who I also love, were the only authors that showed up twice in my 20, my favorites mm-hmm. over 25 years. Barbara King Solvers, another favorite for my, you know, my adult reading. And I primarily read fiction. Um, I, um, I'll read a memoir now and then and stuff like that, but um, primarily fiction. Did you have a, a favorite book as a kid? They, they sort of got you into reading that really got you hooked. 
Well, uh, probably not a not a favorite a favorite book. My father used to read aloud to us a lot, and of course the, you know, um, Winnie the Pooh, the Milne stories, and um, Old Mother West Wind and Wind in the Willows, and those mm-hmm. kind of stories. My father's a big classics guy. He's a big reader. I mean, when I said I was always surrounded by books, he has you know a huge library and is a big reader, and would always go to our local bookstore and where I grew up, and we would spend hours there while he was or sometimes not in that not hours it would just be he'd be picking up with what he knew he wanted and we'd go on with our errands but so I I remember those fondly and then a little bit older I started getting the um uh Reader's Digest classics you know that came that came in the little books and I guess in between there was like the the Bobsy Twins I wasn't always that wasn't Nancy Drew girl I was a Bobsy Twins girl and then, like in my teen years and stuff like that, I, you know, I read Stephen King and that kind of thing, and um, just a, a variety of a variety of things. Cool. Before I got a little bit more serious. <laughs> so, uh, sort of on the on both on the serious and the fun side, and this is just something that I've always been curious about. You mentioned, you know, like the big box stores where mm-hmm. there's somebody who's looking at sort of demographics and algorithms and, and, you know, sales lists and determining what goes where in a very impersonal Mm -hmm. fashion. How do you and your staff decide what books actually get on the shelves? Well, we're lucky enough to have fabulous um, sales reps from um, all the publishers who are big readers and know their lists and they're not salespeople in any, you know, negative sense of the word. They're not pushing anything. They, um, when you get to know them, I mean, I've had some reps for, you know, 20 years and a lot of them now, you know, they used to be field reps where they'd actually visit the store, but with cutbacks and everything more and more, it's gotten into, um, um, uh, telephone sales, uh, reps, which is great because you still get to know them. You get, um, um, a good relationship with them and they know what you like and what your store, what you like and what your, what your, what sells in your store. And then there's just catalogs that you look through, you know, they used to be paper catalogs. Now they're virtual catalogs, which was a challenge initially, but which is great now because with all the data that they can put into everything that you can see what you sold from, you know, the last Richard Russo book, how many you sold in hardcover, you know, so to inform you on how, how to buy, but, but basically, I just go through the catalogs and pick things that let look of interest. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I know, I know so and so will like that. And, you know, oh, wouldn't this be a surprise for somebody to come, you know, um, onto? So it's an art, it's a, it's a combination of an art and a science a bit. But, and, and it's very, it can be very hit or miss. <laughs> is, is there a book that you've read recently that was just, that you found really remarkable or thought provoking? Um, well, probably one of my favorites that was really thought provoking wasn't, I, I didn't read it recently. I read it a while back, but Nickel Boys by um, Colson Whitehead was, um, was really fabulous and emotional and eye-opening in a lot of ways. The controversial American Dirt, you may recall from earlier this year, I thought was a phenomenal book and just my heart was beating all the way through um, or pounding all the way through. Of course, it was beating. I just read Sue Miller's Monogamy and was really touched by that. Um, In a lot of ways, she's a beautiful writer. 
this is a question that I ask when I'm talking to other writers, mm-hmm. and, but I, I think it's applicable, you know, here as well. Uh, I mean, when you're reading, when someone's reading a book there, I mean, they, they could be reading it simply for informational, but mm-hmm. when people read when they're reading for fun, I think they're, they're reading to, because they want to get lost in it. They want, they want something that's going to take them someplace new and different, um, you know, that's going to just consume their imagination as, as mm-hmm. and uh, there are certain books I think that, that do that well. And sometimes when you're young, I, I just know now reading to my daughter mm-hmm. and just seeing her just be completely hooked on on the storytelling of J.K. Rowling and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and I think that's sort of the first time for her that she's really been com- really swept up in a book because you know we're taking our time reading them and I think that down the road at some point she's you know hopefully she says you know that was that was an experience reading books that that really connected with me is there an is there some time you know in your past where you sort of had an experience where you where you realized that language had sort of the power to transport you someplace i mean that just swept you away and was completely unexpected um or just eye-opening Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, we all, um, all of us readers really look for that, right? Or hope for that in a book, right? That you're going to find those nuggets, as Pat calls them, that are just, um, you know, beautiful passages that really move you and, and, you know, a very personal way. And I think the first book for me was in high school when we read The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, that um, I really realized what, how different the language was from the other things that I had been reading and the pictures that it, you know, created in my mind and the personalities and the characters that were drawn in, in that book for me. And it was like an aha moment for me that I was like, oh, okay, there's more out there than what I've been, um, you know, been, been reading and, that's not to say I didn't, you know, go back and forth and read that, but so it, you know, it was a kind of a maturation over over time of finding authors and knowing what I was reading a book for. I mean, every, I read a book for plot um, to some degree, but I really read a book for characters, you know, for the character development and the writing for the um, that the author brings to those characters and the humanity that they bring to those characters. Um, and while I can read a, you know, a thriller from time to time and just be totally taken away and not be able to put it down, I much prefer the books where the characters are calling to me at the end of the day saying, come sit down and find out what happened to me, you know? Um, um, and the, the, the ones that you keep thinking about when you're not with them, when you're not reading them. So those are, that's. That's what I. That's what I look for. That's what I hope for when I pick up a book. Last year, you announced that after 25 years of owning Island Books, that you were looking to retire and mm-hmm. looking for a, a new owner for the store, to, mm-hmm. so that Island Books would continue on. Obviously, COVID um, has been a, the the great disruptor, but you know, is that is that still the plan? You know, down. That's, down, that's still down the, the plan. I um I'm. 
you know, I did, we took, you know, months off of even thinking about it because of, of COVID, but mm-hmm. um, I am thinking about new ways to try to find that right person or to find, you know, to find someone who's interested and hopefully they'll be the right person. Of course, now the holiday season's coming up, so it's going to be a little bit hard to to juggle all of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, we still, my husband hopes to retire next June. Um, so when we started, that was two years. We had two years to, when we started this journey, we had two years to try to find someone. Now it's less than a year. I don't have to retire then. Mm-hmm. As I like to joke, he's much older than I am. So <laughs> I don't have to retire yet, but <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's still, that's still the hope, you know, the last thing I ever want to do is close the store, God forbid. So, um, I'm going to continue to live in this community and I want, uh, you know, an independent bookstore to be able to, mm-hmm. to visit when I retire. So what do you, what do you think you're going to miss most? Stephanie? Oh gosh, definitely the day-to-day interaction with people my customers and my husband and I are, like I said, we're homebody. We're not really social. I may have to find other social outlets, I guess, but, um, you know, the bookstore is my social outlet, basically, you know, I, um, I've made, um, many, many friends over the years and, uh, customers that I care very much about. And I believe they, the feeling is reciprocated. So, so that'll be an access to, to all the books, but there'll be other ways, to, other ways to do that. I mean, I'll always keep up with, with books. Now these days it's even easier than ever with the internet and different emails and podcasts and, you know, things like that. And it's not just the, you know, New York times book review anymore, which of course I read, but. Thank you very much, Judy. This has been a really fun conversation. Thank you. While independent bookstores are a favorite stop of mine, they're also vital to the health and strength of our communities. Like libraries, they can bring people together around popular new releases, readings by authors, and a sharing of ideas. In a world that feels so polarized sometimes, bookstores, and indie bookstores in particular, can help open the minds of kids and adults to new perspectives. Thanks again to Judy Crosby for spending some time with me. I hope you'll be sure to take the time to visit Island Books in person or online at islandbooksri.indielight.com. Indie Light is spelled I-N-D-I-E-L-I-T-E. Or be sure to check out one of the local independent bookstores near you. Wear your mask, stop in, say hi, pick up a book or a gift card for a friend, and help support these gems within our community. Thank you for joining me this week. Until we read again, enjoy a great book or two, and share your feedback, comments, questions, and more at pretendingtowrite.com. While there, you can also check out the weekly writing prompt to give yourself a little creative kick. The content of the Epic Pencil is copyright 2020 by Christopher Watson.